Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast, Physics of the Mystics, where we embark on an exhilarating journey that stimulates the mind and opens new windows of wisdom, inspiration, and light. In this thought-provoking series, we explore the captivating intersection of science and Kabbalah, seamlessly blending, synthesizing, and fusing these two realms together. Join us as we delve into the profound connections between science and mysticism, revealing how scientific concepts are not only an extension, but also a direct outgrowth and product of mystical wisdom. In this podcast, Physics of the Mystics, Kabbalah acts as the blueprint, while science becomes the magnificent building that emerges from it. Prepare, ladies and gentlemen, to be amazed as we demonstrate and discuss how mystical concepts laid the foundation for scientific exploration. Discover how science, modern-day discoveries, and quantum physics validate, they confirm, they corroborate the ancient truths that are found within Kabbalah. As we unravel the mysteries of the universe, we aim to ignite a sense of wonder, curiosity, and awe within your mind. Get ready for a mind-expanding journey where we unlock the secrets of the cosmos, inviting you to explore the profound connections between science and mysticism in a truly enlightening and captivating manner. Welcome to Physics of the Mystics podcast, where science and Kabbalah converge to inspire, inform, and transform your understanding of the world around us. My name is Rabbi Shlomo Ezagui. I'm a rabbi here in South Florida for the last 36 years. That's two times high. In Hebrew, the letters represent also numbers. Mathematics is built in to the vehicles with which God created the universe. In Hebrew, the word chai is 36. 36 is 18. 18 times 2 is 36. You can send me an email to my very, very special mystical email address, physicsofthemystics at gmail.com. And that's where you connect with me and you can give me your feedback, your suggestions for this incredible, phenomenal podcast. Last week, we were talking about how to navigate the strangeness of the quantum world. If you remember, we talked about all kinds of strange things that are related to quantum physics. We talked about quantum superposition and quantum tunneling and quantum teleportation and quantum entanglement. We talked about a whole bunch of things that present themselves as difficult concepts to understand. But we came to the conclusion that underlying all these mysteries is really a very, very simple principle. And that is that there is nothing else but God himself. It is all one. We talked about last week that there is a concept that is known as the coarsening of spirituality that becomes more and more physical until it becomes the mana from heaven. The mana from heaven that fell from heaven down on the ground for the Jewish people as they traveled for 40 years in the wilderness. And it was able to be tasted like anything they had in their mind. Their mind, the mind of the people who were tasting this food, the observer molded the specific taste that this almost infinite possibilities of food 
because actually it wasn't infinite. There were some limitations on what the foods can taste like. It didn't taste like those things that were unhealthy, for example, to pregnant women. But there was a very, very broad range that according to the intention that the person had while he was eating or she was eating the food, it would taste exactly just like that. Isn't that very similar to the whole concept of quantum physics, where there is a wave of infinite possibilities, and at a certain point, that infinite possibility, it becomes, it becomes, it, it collapses into a specific particle, whether it's quarks, whether it's photons, whether it's electrons, whether it's atoms. And at a certain point, so that collapsing takes place. And that's according to modern day science. This is related somehow. We're not exactly sure how, but it's related somehow to when the wave is measured by an observer or by a machine. All of a sudden, the infinite possibilities become limited to the measurement. And so last week, I tried to just touch upon what is a possible explanation that is suggested by Kabbalah and mysticism. So we're going to explore that idea a little further on today's podcast, and I'm going to expand upon those ideas even further and even a lot more deeper. You know, out there, there are many, many different isms about how we explain the universe. There is, for example, pantheism. Pantheism, for example, is the philosophical religious belief that reality the universe and the cosmos are identical to divinity and a supreme being or entity. The physical universe is thus understood as an imminent creator deity, still expanding and creating, which has existed since the beginning of time. And that's not very dissimilar to the way mysticism understands the universe. There really is no disconnect between what we experience as a physical universe, and the God that the universe is an expression of that God. The truth is the world, the physical universe, is God, is theism that just presents itself in the specific object that we experience. The car really is an experience of God. The sun, the moon, the table, the car, all of that really is an expression of God as God decided to express himself in that limited experience of the car or of the sun or of that piece of furniture. But at a deeper, deeper level, there is much more going on. That's what we're discussing over here. So there is pantheism and then there's panpsychism. Panpsychism is the doctrine or belief that everything material, however small, has an element of individual consciousness in it. That too would not be in contradiction to Kabbalah and mysticism. Because what is the highest element that we relate to as human beings? The most powerful, so to say, energy that has the greatest leverage in this universe. That's consciousness, that's intelligence, that's mind power. So 
there is something that is behind all that mind power, and that's God himself. At the highest level that God operates, we call that intelligence, consciousness. So if we just finish saying that pantheism is not something strange to Kabbalah and mysticism because the truth is everything is God, on a lower level, everything is consciousness. The consciousness of God. Yes, there is an element of intelligence and consciousness in every single atom, in every single part of that atom, in the electron, in the proton, in the neutron. There is an element of consciousness and an element of intelligence in every single little smallest particle and expression of the quantum field. How else does it know to assemble itself into the atom and later on into the molecule and then to connect itself to other atoms and molecules and make itself into this very complex cell? It all has to do with the consciousness and the intelligence that really is in every single little element of this universe and of this existence. The microphone that I'm talking into has consciousness and intelligence in there. The computer that I am using has intelligence in it. Okay, the question is, is it the same kind of an intelligence as a human being? Absolutely not. A human being has the intelligence at a degree that it is conscientious of itself. Now, the microphone I'm talking into doesn't understand that it is a microphone and aware of itself. But is there an element of wisdom and consciousness inside the atoms and the molecules of this microphone? Absolutely, yes. Because if God is the underlying energy to everything, and one of the most powerful elements that God expresses himself in this universe is intelligence and consciousness, that means everything that has God in it has also an expression of consciousness and intelligence in it. So now, ladies and gentlemen, it's not that difficult to relate to the idea that I've been mentioning a number of times, that book, The One, by Heinrich Paz, where he promotes the idea of monism. What is monism? All these fancy kind of words but they come down to some very, very simple concepts and ideas in Kabbalah and mysticism. Those old rabbis, thousands of years ago, that eternal book of the Bible speaks in very simple terms, but it covers everything that we come across these days as being so complicated and difficult to grasp. What is monism? Monism is a theory or doctrine that denies the existence of a distinction or duality in some sphere, such as, the, such as that between matter and mind, or God and world. There is no difference between God and world, says monism. There is no difference between matter and mind. So what is it? Monism is the idea that all reality can be summoned up or explained in one substance or single reality. Monism stands in contrast with both dualism the idea that all things can be reduced to two substances, even the idea that there's good and evil, pluralism, for example, the idea that there's multiple substances, realities, or gods, 
Monism says really underlying everything, it's one. You know what that one is? That one is exactly what I started with on today's podcast, pantheism. That there is this religious belief that reality is identical to the divinity and to the supreme being or entity that is underlying and is really the credit to everything. So it's all really the same thing. Monism, panpsychism, whether you um, uh, uh, follow whatever you want. This is really underlying everything. It's just that there is the realization that there is one entity from which everything emanates, and that is the one God. So when they're talking about in today's day and age, in science, that maybe everything is an illusion, what do they mean when they say everything is an illusion? Does that mean that the car that I'm looking at or the microphone that I'm talking into is not a microphone? Or that the car that I sit into and that I drive from my office to my house or to wherever I go is really just an illusion of some sort? No. What it's trying to tell us is that there is fundamental things that are underlying everything, and that's the real building blocks to everything. And the more fundamental things are, so in its real definition, the more real they become. Let's take, for example, hydrogen and oxygen, right, which is what water is made up of. Something so simple as hydrogen and oxygen, and, and really, to this very day, scientists are not sure of all the very special properties and very unusual properties go along with water. Water is phenomenal. I mean, it's a miracle in itself. Just take, for example, the fact that when water freezes and it becomes a solid, instead of falling to the bottom, it actually floats to the top of the, of the rivers. And that becomes a certain kind of protective shield for everything underneath the ice to keep on living and swimming. Instead, instead of the ice falling on everything and killing everything. I mean, that is such a, a wonder in itself that the only way to ascribe any kind of, 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 of real explanation to this uh, um, unusual exception is that God did it for a certain reason. But I'm not going to talk about today the uh, characteristics of water, which are phenomenal in its design, and it's in its in the power of its uh, it being able to be a solvent, the way it connects and attaches itself with the positive and negative forces to other atoms and other uh, uh, um, uh, substances. But let's just take water, which is a very simple molecule made of hydrogen and oxygen. Now, hydrogen and oxygen is more real than water. You know why? Because if water is destroyed by evaporation. So the water doesn't exist anymore, but hydrogen and oxygen can still exist. But if hydrogen and oxygen are destroyed, then you don't have any water. There is no water. So therefore to say that something is an illusion is simply saying that when you're looking at water, water is really an expression of the combination that hydrogen and oxygen create. There is this, what emanates from the connection of hydrogen and oxygen, and that's water. But water is really not fundamental. At the fundamental level, what is real is hydrogen and oxygen. 
what you look at in, in, in the form of water in a certain way is an illusion. So it's like, for example, getting even more uh, 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 powerful about this idea. When you're driving in the street and you see what appears to be an optical illusion, water, right? It's real. The optical illusion is real. What you're looking at is nothing that you're hallucinating about in your brain. But what you're looking at is very real in terms of something very physical, something very scientific. But the truth is it's an illusion because when you get a little close, you see there's no water there at all. You see that it's really only vapor. So what you looked at, which was very real from a certain perspective, was on a fundamental level, not what it appeared to be. And so what we what, what it comes down to is that really there are fundamental truths that appear differently according to the way an observer looks at it. How is that? From different perspectives, some people may not even see that optical illusion of the vapor because from their perspective, it doesn't exist. If they're higher up or if they're closer, they won't see it. But if you're at a different perspective, so then you actually will be able to see what is very real to you. The same thing is also when it comes to water. Some people, when they're uh, experiencing water, it can come in many different kind of forms, depending on what machinery you're using, depending on how you're using it. Let me get back to, for a moment, to this book that I started out this discussion on quantum physics and on the strangeness of the quantum world and on the uh, principle or idea of monism and then going a little deeper, calling it panpsychism and going even a little deeper than that, calling it pantheism, right? Because monism leaves an open field of what that underlying energy may be. But when you start talking about panpsychism, you start defining this energy as having a consciousness to it. But the truth is, that wouldn't be the end of it because consciousness is not what God is. That is a limitation on God when you just call him and describe him as consciousness. And, you know, out there in the world, they want to avoid describing this underlying power as God. So they call it, you know, the underlying consciousness. But that's not fair because that limits what this consciousness could do since you're defining it only as something that's wise. What about emotional? What about the different other facets and dimensions that we experience that exist in the world and that God can actually accomplish? God is not limited by any definition. So monism is really leaving the door open to this oneness that must underlie everything. Panpsychism is defining it as consciousness. When we start talking about pantheism, now we are already getting a little bit more in tune with what Kabbalah and mysticism and Hasidus explains what is really underneath everything, and that is divinity itself. Let me quote something from this book of Heinrich Paz, which got me all excited about this subject and pushed me really to start this podcast, which we now call the physics of the mystics. So there on page 114, Heinrich Paz, he quotes 
or he draws from the inspiration of Plato. And according to what he is quoting from Plato, as everybody is familiar with the parable of Plato, metaphysics was very, very real. In fact, according to Plato, when he gives the parable of the cave, it was may, way more real than the observable, observable phenomena. It was the real world metaphysics rather than the shadow, which was only an expression of the metaphysical archetypes that in the cave you weren't able to experience and able to see. Because in the cave, you were only seeing the shadow of what was real outside of the cave. So we are, so to say, considering that there, what we see here in this world may just be a shadow, may just be an illusion, and underlying everything, there is something that is um, more true, if that's a proper way of putting it, that gives rise to the world that we're living in, the quantum world, and then the very, very physical, definable world. Mahindik Pazi goes on to write there in his book, in modern particle physics, particles are understood as excitations of quantum fields rather than brick-like objects. It would be quantum fields rather than particles that provide the fundamental building blocks of the universe. So here he's touching upon something incredible. Up until quantum physics and quantum mechanics, everything was like a building block. Everything was a uh, defined atom. But then when we discovered quantum mechanics and quantum physics, and we went a little, we explored a little deeper into the atom, and we discovered even deeper than, than the quarks, and we started to realize the orbitals of, of the electrons that, so to say, have possible kind of movements around the nucleus of an atom, we started to discover all kinds of strange phenomena. And it wasn't exactly as definable as we always thought it was. And when we tried to make sense of it, it was even more strange than we ever imagined it to be. So in modern particle physics, what, the way we understand the origins of what turns into later on the atom and the quarks and the electrons and everything else that makes an atom, the way we're understanding it today is by imagining these um, imagine, imaginable, right? You don't see it. You can't even measure it, right? There are what we call these fields of energy. Actually, they say there's about 24 of those fields, right? Isn't that interesting that those 24 quantum fields of energy correspond to the 24 books of our Torah? Our books of the Torah, in other words, the blueprint that God looked into it and from that wisdom of this blueprint that is made of 24 different books, this world was created. And that's actually being recognized in these 24 fields that make sense um, in some kind of a way, um, bring order to what we see in this universe. So 
it's these quantum fields rather than the particles that provide the fundamental bu building blocks of the universe. That's how we are recognizing what this world is about, and that's where it starts from. What are those quantum fields, you may ask? What are those quantum fields that we're just so they say, throwing it out because we're not sure what it is, but all of a sudden we're noticing these fluctuations from which the particles are finally, so to say, uh, noticed. What are these quantum fields? You know what they are? In the book of Eov, the book of Job, there's a, it is a verse of it, there's a Pusik. And the Pusik says over there, by the breath of God, ice is formed. And the expanse of water becomes solid. With 10 statements, God made this universe. What does that mean with 10 statements? When we talk, where does the talking and the vibration of our uh, vocal cords, which then all of a sudden they send these sound waves over space, where does it all start from? It starts from in our head. It starts from in a place that scientists don't know what it is. No microscope and no machine will ever be able to see the thoughts that we have in our head. But they're certainly there. And from those thoughts that are in our head that are metaphysical, that are spiritual, we get ideas in our brain. And then all of a sudden we consider that even further. And then we vocalize it through our vocal cords and through our mouth and through the different tools that we have in our mouth to express those thoughts that are giving form through our mouth. In the same way that it works with you and me, we were created in the form and the image of God. God also, when he created the world in 10 statements, so somewhere deep down inside of God, in a place that we certainly can't figure out what it is and where it is, but it's certainly there. And from there, there became an expression, a fluctuation. All of a sudden, from the breath of God, Isis formed. All of a sudden, there became a breath. And all of a sudden, that breath is vapor. And all of a sudden, that vapor can turn into ice. It becomes a solid. And that's how Job describes how God created the world. There was this professor, passed away a couple of years ago, by the name of Professor Ed Tyron. He's an American scientist and a professor of physics at Hunter College um, of the City University of New York. And he was the first physicist to propose that our universe originated as a quantum fluctuation out of the vacuum, out of emptiness. The brilliant realization that this creation of our physical life-rich universe could have been created from nothing physical via a quantum fluctuation, that is, by the law of nature, first conceived by this very humble professor, Ed Tyron. And I want to share with you a quote that summarizes this insight that Professor Tyron himself said. And this is his quote. 
1973, it occurred to me that relativity and quantum theory might imply the spontaneous creation of universes from nothing. If so, matter and energy would not be fundamental, but manifestations of underlying laws. Ultimate reality would be the laws themselves, the mind of Einstein's God. This is pretty deep. And you know, many, many of the theoretical physicists, many, many of the physicists, they come to this conclusion because as they explore deeper and deeper this physical universe, they come to discover that what we are looking at on the surface is really not reality. It's an illusion. It's not what really is down at the fundamental basement where everything is being supported and where everything starts out. The truth of the matter is, says Professor Tyron, that there is these quantum fluctuations and these quantum fluctuations, they all of a sudden they appear out of a nowhere, out of a nothing. So it's out of this, what we're describing as a quantum vacuum, out of the nothingness of, of some place that we don't even know what it is and where it is, all of a sudden we are able to record different kinds of electrical impulses that we call fluctuations. They go in and out and in and out. And I'm going to, in my book, Physics of the Mystics, and maybe during these podcasts, talk more about these on a, on a, on a more deeper level. But out of the nowhere, you get all of a sudden, you, you, you get these, these quantum fluctuations and these electrical impulses that keep on coming and, and going and coming and going. And, 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 and we don't know where they're going. and We don't know where they're coming. And we really can't measure much. But then after a while, they turn into something more. They turn into the quantum world that we don't understand what it really is that eventually turns into the quarks and it turns into um, the, the, the possibilities that when we measure them, we finally discover that they are particles of electrons, of this quantum energy. But he goes further and deeper. And he says, because he understood there is a certain pattern to all this. So the truth of the matter is, underlying this movement of quantum fluctuations, there is the mathematics, there is the laws that are governing and influencing the expression of these fluctuations. So the truth of the matter is, says Professor Tyron, the world is certainly not what it is as it appears, because down at the fundamental levels, a car is not the car that it appears. There is a deeper truth that is operating deep in the car, deep in every atom of that car, that really is the true substance of what the car really is. And that is, of course, the quantum world. The quantum world, the quantum energy, before it expresses itself, into the atoms and the molecules and, and, and everything else, and it turns into the different elements of the periodic table, it is all a quantum reality. But that quantum reality, those quantum waves of infinite possibilities, 
are operating under certain mathematical laws and truths. And the truth is, it's those laws and truths that is the real reality of what everything really is. And of course, those laws is consciousness that is wisdom at its essence. That could be said to be the mind of God. This incredible complex mind that is able to organize and devise all these incredible possibilities. That is the mind of God. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let me take a little break over here. Remind everybody back down here to this world that I got an email address, which I encourage everybody always to record and to send me your feedback. And my email address is physicsofthemystics at gmail.com, physicsofthemystics at gmail.com. I truly appreciate when I hear from the peanut gallery out there. For the most part, it's always been very positive. Not for the most part, actually. The only thing I got was all positive feedback, which really I'm impressed and very grateful and thankful for that feedback. I can take some criticism if it's warranted. And I got a lot of suggestions. You know, I looked at the uh, statistics for the last week. Once again, the majority of people who are listening to this podcast are right here in the United States of America. Number two is Israel. And then we got all over the world, literally, that are listening to this podcast, Physics of the Mystics. A lot, a lot of interest in this concept. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, you know why this podcast that synthesizes mysticism and quantum mechanics is so unique because what I'm giving you is a perspective that is grounded in ancient truth, in mysticism, in the Kabbalah, in the wisdom of our eternal Torah. So it's grounded not in conjecture and in what, you know, you hear many people say, I think and I think and this is what I concluded. And who knows if what they're thinking about is actually accurate or not. What I'm sharing with you is the infinite and the authentic knowledge of our eternal Torah and of our great, great sages. And that's what makes this podcast, Physics of the Mystic, so powerful and so unique. Okay, so let's move on with what we're talking about. Some very, very heavy stuff. And it all emanated from trying to explain quantum entanglement, which we touched upon in the last podcast. Quantum entanglement is a phenomenon where we measure a quantity of a particle and the measuring of a particle will determine at a speed faster than the speed of light what information we will deduce from its entangled particle even when they are at huge, huge distances from each other. And the big question is, how is that possible that the two particles that are so far from each other can somehow know what's going on with each other at such fast speeds? And the answer is that they're not communicating and sending the information from one particle to the other. They're both expression of one entity. And since they're both expressions of one entity, it's possible, and it doesn't 
this doesn't transgress the very, very important rules of special relativity and Einstein's uh, uh, um, incredible, incredible discovery because when we're talking about having to communicate at distances, then it doesn't violate the rule that nothing can go faster than the speed of light. But here, in the, in the quantum world, which we're only touching upon up until this point, what is the quantum world? And can you and me, at the level of our own identities, experience in our mind the quantum world? The answer is yes. But today is not a show to talk about how is it that as very, very uh, prominent particles that you are and that I am, we are not quantum waves, right? You are where you're listening to me and I am where I'm recording. And we don't even know each other. But the truth of the matter is we are all connected as one. We are all connected as one. The underlying truth of the whole universe is really one essence, one energy. It's all one. The oneness of God himself up in the seven heavens, down in this earth, in all the four corners, Fs there is nothing else. In Oid there's nothing else but the presence and the identity of God Himself. What that means is something incredible. What that means is that you're never alone. What that means is that there is God always around you, and the truth is your loved ones feel you. And you can transmit something to your loved ones when you pray, when you th think intently. All of a sudden, the person, he, he starts thinking of somebody else and he wonders, how did I get that thought all of a sudden? Where did that come from? That could be because the other person is thinking of you. And we're all connected to each other. And especially if you're entangled with the other person, the other person is entangled with you. You're very close friends. You're a husband and a wife. You're a parent and a child. So there is a strong, very real connection between people. Now, for the most part, we don't feel it because the wave collapsed and we're living on the level of a, of, of a particle. But deep down inside of you and me, down at the core of our, of our essence, of every cell and of every molecule and of every atom, there is a quantum world which lives and is alive in every single person. My consciousness of you and yours of mine are all connected on some very, very real fundamental level. There is no way to escape the presence of God because the presence of God is me. The presence of God is the air around me. My prayer to God when I'm really believing in it and I'm trusting in God's possibility, this is what opens me up to the quantum world, to the world of all possibilities. I have to really believe in it because if I don't believe and I don't have trust in it, I close my mind and I narrow my possibilities. But when I truly have faith and I have trust in the unending and infinite presence of God everywhere, this is precisely what connects me through the consciousness of my own brain and through the strength of my soul with the infinite possibilities of God himself. And that's, ladies and gentlemen, what we're talking about on today's podcast, Physics of the Mystics. When I'm talking about whether it's pantheism or panpsychism or monism, 
as they say in French, Zwischen mir und dir geret. That's in Yiddish, by the way. Between me and you, that's all Baba Maises. These are all fairy tales, these descriptions. They come from a very finite, limited perspective. The proper and accurate way that scientists are finally discovering, slowly, slowly get, but they're getting there because we're getting closer to the times that when the world will be filled with the knowledge of God, like the waters fill the ocean bed. It doesn't say like uh, the air fills the entire universe, but it, 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 it's a metaphor that's very specific when it talks about water. I touched a little bit upon the very special, unusual qualities of water just a few minutes ago. But that's another discussion for a different podcast that I want to keep you on your feet and connected and share with your friends to listen because we will touch upon these ideas. How can you and me get connected to the quantum world? How is your faith and your trust in God the channel to realize miracles in our life? It's not easy because... We got the other side, which is the part, the collapsed particle side of ourselves that challenges and it, it and, and and that it keeps us and it, it and, and it keeps us constricted from freeing ourselves to this more expanded awareness. But it is possible. Sadikim experience it. People who are connected to the Sadikim have a possibility to have a little bit of that rub off on themselves. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to bid you all be strong and have a lot of faith. Deepen your trust. Realize that the Kabbalah and that the Torah and that God is the real thing. And the more you are connected with the real thing, the more your life will be the real thing.